Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another Omarpreneur podcast. I'm super excited for our episode today, guys, because I have with me brother Hamza Malik, who is the CEO of Regent Branding. This is a digital marketing agency that is really a full suite creative agency, and they work with a lot of clients in a lot of different ways. So I want to dive into all of that today with him, share with you some of his marketing knowledge and his expertise to implement in your business, as well as share with you a little bit of his personal journey and really the stages that he's gone through to build this digital marketing agency to where it is now, where he can work on it full time. He works with many clients, mashallah, that are renowned in their industry, as well as even to the point where he can turn away clients that he doesn't want to work with. So let's talk about that, inshallah. And before we get started, Hamza, assalamu alaikum. I'm super excited to have you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Wa alaikum assalam. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Definitely. The pleasure is all mine. And, um, you know, as we get started, one thing that I personally really love to do is just kind of get to know the person a little bit more. So can you share with us what really inspired you to become an entrepreneur in the first place? I know entrepreneurs are made and they are not born. So all of us were on a journey for myself, mechanical engineering, dropped out, ended up going to business. What about you? I think I've always had an interest in sort of um, creating things and, and creating products that people like to use. I've got this big thing I've learned since I was a kid about like surprising people. Mm-hmm. And and even I've noticed it and I was thinking about it recently and I was ever since I was small, I had this thing about creating an experience, surprising people. I'm a big fan of birthdays and stuff to sort of, you know, what you see the look in people's faces on a more sort of cold and professional level. I like creating something at a better level than what exists and then seeing what people re- respond to, whether that's an app that they download or a website they go on or some portal we make a client and that kind of improves their digital marketing. It's um, mm-hmm. it's super important to create something and put it out there of value in the world because I feel like there's a lot of clutter out there. And if you can create something even small of value, put it out there, make someone's life easier. To me, that's like, it's amazing. Like a random person in the world uses one of our apps and says, oh, I really like this. Like I'm, I'm on a high for a week after that because yes. it's just a random person, right? Like I'll right. never meet them. And they liked it and they spent the most valuable currency in the world, which is time mm-hmm. on my app or on my website or on my game, whatever it is. Um, and I just wanted to do more of that at scale without going through bureaucracy and, and sort of having managers sort of tell me what to do. So that's kind of what yeah. drew me to it. Amazing, mashallah. So tell me tell me this, when you when you were in that point and you were attracted to this idea, what were you doing in life? Were you a student at the time? Were you already working in the corporate world? What were you up to? I, I was a student, so I okay. um, I grabbed the yellow pages, which is kind of like a big phone book we have in the UK. It's really thick. Yes. They don't do it anymore, uh, obviously, because of Google. This is before Google. It was this huge, huge thing. And uh, I'm kind of like flipping through it, and I just start from A for like accountant, and I just start cold calling. And I kind of just jumped into it, and it was baptism through fire because it was kind of, you know, a lot of abuse, a lot of no's, a lot of people with the phone down. And I realized I kind of liked it because I was like, no, I am going to, I wanted, I was selling websites, right? It's 50 pounds. So there's like $50 websites. And I'm kind of like calling, calling, maybe about 70 or 80 calls later. I was in B for bookshop now. So I went all the way through the A's. And uh, this guy picks up, he's, he's some old guy, really nice guy. And he says, oh, um, sure. Yeah, why not? I need a website. So then go down there and he, he gives me a check. And I don't know what to do with the check. I'm like, what? what the, where's the money? Like, And he's like, it's in the check. And I'm like turning it around and stuff. Like... And I'm like, okay, so you, you go to the bank account, you go to the bank account, go to the bank, cash the check. And then I realized that, that, and that was done at the same time as like school. And it was only a small thing, but then I ended up going to uni and I think, you know, maybe I can do something at scale. So I'm attracted towards sort of helping people 
through difficult periods in their life and we were in a recession when I went to uni it was 2010 so mm -hmm. um, everyone's uh, resumes and CVs they used to kind of send to me like informally my friends and family because I, I was good with words right I did English at uni I made a website where you could send me your CV and like 15 or 20 dollars I'd reword it make it perfect good design send it back to you within like nice. two days and um, it exploded and I nearly got kicked out of uni because I was like doing that full-time and not going wow. to lectures and they're like mm -hmm. who are you like you're never in lectures you're never in seminars um, we're gonna have to get rid of you and I was like no 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 no, no. like don't do that because you know like being an Asian guy you, you do not get kicked out of uni you can right, leave and be successful that's fine <laughs> if you get kicked out then right. uh, I didn't want to face my parents to be honest so I said uh, look I'll be good so I, I attended a few lectures and they said you know what um, we're gonna give you the enterprising student of the year award because they saw what I did and, and it was legit like you know I, I basically would be up all night making CVs and I'd get calls and these would be some people that are like CEOs of large corporations so I'd kind of have um, office ambience on YouTube and I'd pick up my phone and I didn't even have a smartphone I had like an old Motorola not an, uh, it was like Sony Ericsson and I'd like put that near my laptop to let them hear the office sounds of people like tapping and like chit chat in the office and then put it to my head sorry we're so busy in the office today how can I help you and and these people thought oh he's in an office in reality i'm like sitting in my boxes in my room like <laughs> <laughs> wow that's right next level man. i love that yeah Mashallah. that's that's so cool and and you had the creativity to like kind of think of those ideas and it sounds like it really is exactly like i said where entrepreneurs are are really not born they are made and you it sounds like you really are a, an entrepreneur that has throughout life sought ways to be creative with their skills and their talents and try to monetize it in some way, which is really interesting. And and you're calling these 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 business clients and you have the, the office in the background. Did that work? Did that technique actually work? Did, were you able to have a higher close rate on the phone? Yeah, it was it was like 80% or something. Like, nice. like two ads in time that you're like, oh well, I don't I don't like it, I, what's your business name again? I'm just Googling it and I'm like, oh no, don't don't look at the office because I don't have one. Like but then everyone else was like, look, I heard about you through a friend. And that that kind of like really, you know, nailed home the point that if someone refers a business to you, like a lot of due diligence is done. So that's mm -hmm. why whenever we're referred from someone, it's like nearly nine out of ten times now they'll sign on because yeah. it's the same reason why if my um little sister says to me, Oh, you know what, that new knives out movie was so good or that new black mm -hmm. panther movie so i'm just gonna go i'm not gonna bother with the reviews i'm just going because she said yeah. so people trust each other implicitly and that's why the user experience of every single client is like so crucial to me because even if we like mess up or we have we make a mistake like you just have to fix it whatever happens and um you know because people talk they, they share their experiences and even if it's a bad experience that doesn't matter it's just how it ends you know they say like all and all, all's well that ends well right so as long as you fix it and you make them feel valued and you know you're apologetic it's absolutely fine so i learned that from my cv days and, and i took that into region branding amazing so did you end up finishing school did yeah yeah I, yeah Why did you graduate about, then? i'm curious uh english from the university of leicester in english all right cool and did you ever use it uh yeah i mean like weirdly like the thing is if i didn't do business then i would have just gone into like marketing or something and, and it wouldn't have been used massively because the thing is like no one's ever asked me about Shakespeare, right? Like, no, mm. literally not a single person has said, oh, what's like The Tempest, Act 4, Scene 2? Like, that doesn't happen. What it did teach me is like, oh, this is how you think. This is how you construct an argument. This is how you express yourself. And mm. it has come in, in, in use when, at the most pivotal points in my business career, when it's like, 
everything hinges on this email, whether it's like investment or hiring someone or just clinching that client deal. It's the email, uh, if it's not over the phone, an email that does it. And the, the way I can construct an email and kind of, you know, think what they're thinking and empathize and use the right words to uh, really relay what I'm trying to say. I mean, that is massive. And that's really what sets me apart from a lot of competitors. Communication. Yeah. Right. 100%, 100%. Communication is so important in your business. And so you mentioned to me before we we press record, uh, as we were kind of chit-chatting, I was getting all the cameras set up, that um, you were building your business uh, along with working. Uh, and then eventually, as your business got to a point where you could transition out of a job and just full-time as an entrepreneur, you made that switch. So uh, I'm curious, what is it that you were working as a job? Was it just kind of like a temp job that you had on the side because you knew the business was really your focus? Was it also a career that you decided, you know what, maybe it's something I'm going to let go? Can you walk me through that point in your life? Yeah, sure. So I started um, at, at the grad scheme, basically. I went onto a graduate scheme with John Lewis, and they're like a retailer in the UK. Um, and was there for like two years, realized I didn't really like it, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of people kind of just like making decisions and kicking the can down the road. So then I like switched over to digital marketing, which I did want to do full time. So I thought, you know what, what a better way than to learn at, at, at junior level. And I thought I knew everything. And I was like, oh, I can just start a business now. And uh, a good friend of mine did give me some advice and said, look, like use your 20s and just learn, just learn from people. Um, and so I went to Leicester, worked there for a little while, um, Peterborough as well. This is the last job I had before I started regional branding. Um, that was like, three or four years um, in, in veterinary publishing, just like a random thing. Um, and they, they needed help with their digital marketing. So I kind of like redeveloped their strategy, met, met a lot of new people, kind of understood how the world of business works. And it was an amazing playground to sort of, you know, test theories. And they knew about Regent Branding the whole time. Like in my interview, which isn't the smartest thing, I was like, I want to leave and start my own business. And they were like, oh, all right, well, appreciate your honesty. What are you going to do about that? And I said, well, how about I work here? And everything I learn, like, I bring to you guys and then I grow your business. And when it gets to the point where I can leave, we part ways. And um, they agreed to it. And, you know, three or four years later that happened. And nice. it was still scary because, you know, you're used to, alhamdulillah, it was really, it was a good feeling. Um, I mean, there were like ups and downs to get there. And, and sadly, like the reason that I ended up leaving was like not, not great. Um, and, and, but I needed the push and it gave me the push. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you're not paid on the 25th anymore you're basically just sitting there it's all down to you if you don't have enough money in the business account and there's a cost that comes out that's bigger than the number here you dip into your mind and that's terrifying because i don't like yeah. that um but yeah it kind of it's good because knowing marketing inside out and that's kind of like my skill now as well i'm a pretty decent marketer it means that even if um the business is, is hitting a period of turbulence like i i can since i've got the steering wheel it's cool like i know how it all works i know facebook ads seo ppc affiliate email um, and that's just through years of doing it badly and now mm -hmm. i can do it well would you say that marketing is the most important skill you can have as a business owner uh sales sales, sales. edges it yeah yeah sales edges marketing ever so slightly um i think if you've got sales like you kind of fix everything else um you know obviously you've got like the exceptions like we work right where they're like we've got sales but they did not have the other stuff and in, in, in right, <laughs> right. Um, I, I just watched we crash watch? yes it's yeah such it's a good so show. Good. did you watch it it's really good yeah it's excellent good. it's so yeah. so good and like i was just yeah. like my mouth was open because I, I knew all this stuff when it happened because I, I read their filing like a nerd i like went through the filing of that and i was like no way are they but they they did but anyway like that that you know exception aside um 
if you've got sales and, and you know how to close and you can get revenue through the door, then everything else just kind of um, can fall into place with the right processes and discipline. That's so true. And even, you know, there's a, like within my business um, and within a lot of businesses that we help students set up and we coach them through, uh, we mainly focus on what we call high ticket businesses. So these are businesses where we're working with, you know, agency owners, coaches, consultants, people who have services or products that are priced usually in the thousands. Right. If you're an agency owner, a lot of your packages are going to be 2000, 3000, 5000, sometimes even more. Um, and so that can't just be sold over an email or a website checkout page. It has to be a conversation over the phone and being able to, to have that conversation and understand that sales process is so important. And one of the most impactful skills you can have as a business owner, how can I take a stranger to, to that, that is interested, that has a problem and, and, and believes that I might have the solution to that problem. How can I take a person from that stage to paying me thousands of dollars for my services and trusting in me that I will provide them that result? Um, and that's no easy task. And I noticed that even for, you know, like my sales team and the guys that I train, like we're on coaching calls every morning, every morning we have a, a, a huddle. I just got off of one actually just before this podcast. And um, there's always you know, more coaching, uh, and, and kind of more, more things to work through to kind of improve your sales game. And it's a never ending process. What would you say for you guys has really allowed you to, uh, maybe get the bigger clients in your agency, the ones that, you know, where you're charging thousands of dollars, what is your sales process like for those type of clients? You know, it's, it's kind of like for, for the super big clients, it goes completely yeah. bespoke and like, I'll be, I'll be flying out or traveling and it'll be an in-person meeting taking mm -hmm. them out to dinner kind of like and and you know what not closing on the first meeting yeah. like because they they expect that and and they get that a lot of like here's the contract off you go like that you can do that with mid-ticket clients quite easily because they'll just sign it off and off they go but these are usually business owners or vps or directors and you just need to show them what you're about and in a way that first meeting is basically this is who i am this is what i can do i'm confident and competent that's it. Mm. They just need to see you're confident and competent. And you know what? They understand the landscape's changing all the time. So they don't expect you to have all the answers, but you just need to show that you're adaptable and that if something does happen, you can you can rectify it quite quickly. Um, it helps if there's a rec recommendation. Um, so usually most of our big ticket clients, like there's usually a recommendation or someone that knows someone that might know the client. If it's completely cold, then like we nurture it really, really carefully. Like they get their own folder in in the inbox um you know the meetings are always in person uh, everything like we're five minutes ten minutes early to every single meeting regardless just in case we get held up somewhere yeah. um you know we remember we do dumb things like we remember birthdays and stuff and like we've been teased a lot for that because it's like there's no roi on that and i'm like there is an roi on that the roi is like you get the respect and the and, and they, they lower their guard right like it, and it's not like a clever way to get their trust it's literally just a decent thing to do like Oh, it was your birthday like last week. Sorry, you know, we missed it, but sending you some chocolates. We're sending you something through the post. Um, it matters a lot. And people can tell when they are going through a funnel. So we're really careful about the, the funnel essentially needs to be invisible. They need to be in it because that's how you get business. But it just needs to be invisible where they can't feel like, oh, yeah, this is a third email. So he's going to ask something like, you know, a lot of the time, um, some of the biggest clients we've had, actually, they're usually in trouble because they're so big that something's gone out of control or they didn't even know something was wrong. So for example, there was a specific client, it was a large hotel, well, actually, I think the second largest hotel chain in the world. Um, they came to us and they said, oh, you know, um, we heard about so-and-so, we're just tendering. So this isn't really a commitment. Um, so we said, you know what, forget the tender, we're going to do a full audit of your socials, your paid socials, 
um, just give us read-only access for like one hour and we'll do it. And they were like, oh, this is new. And we gave them a link and they tapped the link and we did the whole audit. Turns out that they don't actually own their own pixel, which is a big problem because that means they don't own their own data. It's like giving someone the keys to your house and you're living in the garden, right? Um, so we told them and we said, look, you've got a significant problem here and you, you need to know this because for a data security standpoint, you could be screwed. And then suddenly like everyone jumps in on the court and it's like directors and head offs and the CEO jumps in and says, mm. what's this about our data? Because they know like with customer data, you have to be super careful. Um, yeah. And they were a lovely bunch, great, great people. And we said, look, yeah, we, we can fix it. This is what we do. Here's what we'll do to fix it. And the thing that closed the deal was that we told them what we would do and we didn't charge them for that. Because I said, look, you can do it yourself if you want, but this is how you fix it. And they said, you know what? You know what you're doing. Um, here's a retainer. Just please fix it. Once we fixed that, they were like, oh, you know what? We like you. Do all, do all our paid social. Um, and that's how we landed them. So that, that's nice. kind of like the, yeah, it's kind of like give, 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 and then ask. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And that's such, a, that's such a simple principle that people, I think, just like at the surface level fail to understand is this give, 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 and then ask principle. Um, even when I just look at like, for example, we, we own a printer because we support so many entrepreneurs, people who want to become entrepreneurs. And then, you know, our DMs, like I don't really respond to the DMs anymore. I got my social media manager, he'll go through them. He'll respond to a few where we know it's like a, a serious inquiry because a lot of the DMs are going to be like literally one message kind of out of nowhere. Uh, just like, hey, how do you do this thing? Or, hey, um, I'm, um, I'm thinking of starting this business. Like, um, <laughs> tell me this, you know? And it's like, not even like a hello, not even like a how are you. Just like a, yeah, just like a straight up, like, here's a question for like you. Can you please take time out of your day to respond to me? You know, it's um, and maybe it's because they a lot of people, I think, do have a lot of free time. And then, you know, they underestimate how much as entrepreneurs we don't. Um, and so we have to be very careful with like where we invest our time and, and, and so we can't just go and reply to all the messages and be on DMS all the time. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but I do think if people just adopted that principle a little bit better, they would be so much more successful. Um, from the story that you shared with me right now, one thing that I really love about it, uh, that you mentioned, cause we, you actually mentioned a couple things is how you kind of keep note of, well, number one, that you keep note of your, your client's birthdays. I think that's really cool because that's an added touch of building a relationship. And I think in an agency environment, it is so important because you are working on a retainer basis. And so at any moment in time, there could be another agency that swoops in, says, Hey, I got a better deal for you. Or I got like this other client that, that is your competition. So we'll kind of tell you what we're doing there and, and kind of takes your client. So when you're in an an agency environment and, and you're paid on retainer, you want to maintain that relationship where they're not only thinking in their minds about what is the service that I'm getting, but they're also, their thought process is, do I, am I really ready to cut off this relationship with this person that I've built? And I think for you to be able to enter that into their equation, equation is a very powerful thing. It is. You're totally right. It's a lot of the time there is an incumbent and, and they've been there for a couple of years and, they're either really good or they just haven't been doing anything and they get really panicky and start like flooding you with reports that don't mean anything because they're like, look, look at all this work we're doing. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean anything, but never mind. Um, we found that back in the day, early days, it used to be like aggressive, like loggerheads, yeah, we're going to take you out, mercenary style. And it kind of works, but like left a bad taste in my mouth and um, the world is small. Like, and, and I had no idea how small. So like, it's because of social media and globalization and everything like we want to be known and decided early on i want to be known as like the 
I mean, we're called regent because, you know, the regent is someone who would take over for the king or queen whilst they were away, look after the throne. And when the king or queen comes back, they give it back. So our, we're basically, mm. our clients are royalty. We're looking after the throne, we're looking after the kingdom. Once nice. they're ready and once they're capable again to look after the digital landscape, we step back and they come in. To do that, we have to be one of the most respectful, cordial, professional agencies in the world. And that's why we don't do that anymore. We don't be like kicking people out. We help them. We actually like jump on calls with these agencies and be like, you know what, you've missed four or five things here. And the client will be upset. A lot of the time, they'll just put their hands up and be like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. We're an email marketing agency and they ask us to do SEO, just take it. And then I'll be like, okay, you know what, actually, like we don't specifically do email marketing, but if we get anything, like I'll just chuck it your way. It's absolutely fine. You get the odd one or two that just want to be like Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street and yeah, I want to win at all costs. So just stay away from them. But most other people understand that you can build partnerships without it being in a contract. You don't need to have a whole, you know, nine page contract. You can just say like, we like that agency. They like us. We band work together now and again. Uh, obviously there's a, there's a no pinch clause in terms of staff um, that, you know, nearly everyone follows anyway. And, and it kind of just works itself out. And the client then makes the call unless it's like um, some agencies, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, some of the times there'll be like some old guy, some director, and he'll play golf with the guy whose dad owns the agency. And like, that's not, that, we're not getting in there. That's, mm-hmm. that's a fact. And we've, yeah. we've, you know, and we, we can be really good. It doesn't matter. We could literally like print gold for them. It's not going to happen. So we need to understand and realize like when to step back and like just save my time and reputation and when to think, okay, let the client make the decision. If they want to move to us, we're more than happy to do that. We'll take it off someone as long as it's the client's decision. We're not going to do it in bad faith. If they don't want to move to us, then we will exit in a really respectable manner and leave things in a better condition than when we found them, which is that the Islamic principle of if someone lets you borrow something, make sure you return it in a way better condition at the very least. And that we kind of try and do that when we're working with clients as well. Yeah, the principle of Amana. I love that, Mashallah. That's such a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, one thing that I noticed, bro, is I was like kind of browsing your website before this episode. Um, so love the, the, the website, mashallah, but it's in no regards, the fanciest, most beautiful website I've seen. And a lot of people sometimes feel like, you know what, what I need is that fancy website. I need that fancy branding, that fancy logo. And that's like, that's ultimately how I get the, the, the big clients, right? The big bucks. So how do I, (laughs) how is it for you that, how does it work? Like I, I go on your website, the logo doesn't even have transparency on it. And you're um and, and you're out here with a team, mashallah, working with clients and, and growing this agency. So what is it that actually matters if your website is not really what what is the difference maker between being successful and not being successful? What is it really that is the difference it, maker? It's basically like it's nothing to do with the website. Like and, and that I'm talking about like large scale success, not like the little things, like huge scale success. Um back in the day I'd be like agonizing over every single pixel and oh it's not aligned and this needs to be like that and you know what we went live and the website looked like a million bucks it looked amazing um generated nothing because Mm. people went there and they thought oh yeah that's nice and then they just left and you know we're, we're competing with other online platforms right so someone will go from facebook to snapchat to tiktok to amazon to our website so yeah it needs to perform it needs to work but then if you look at for example amazon it's it's not a beautiful website at all, but they do A-B test that like a hundred times a day. And then mm. the, and your version of Amazon is different to my version because they're making sure they can tweak it perfectly. So it's less about the website. And we, we've noticed if you do have like a really shiny website and someone clicks into it, they're usually the wrong type of customer because they're wowed too easily. So like mm. weirdly, it's not on purpose. Like obviously our website could be improved. We've got a rebrand coming up, which is hopefully happening in January. But um, 
you know, we, we realized when our website was like really flash and we pushed loads of traffic to it, we'd get people who were like unaware of anything digital, didn't really have any budget, just loved the website. And, oh, I love how your logo does that spinny thing at the beginning. Like they don't have a clue. Um, it's not like we made it worse on purpose, but like we just kind of stopped paying so much attention to it. And we started paying mm -hmm. more attention on how can we make our client's life easier today? It doesn't matter right. if it's anything to do with the campaign. We'll actually just jump in and be like, hey, um, we just received one of your emails. We don't look after your emails. The copy was a bit off and that link didn't work. Uh, we can fix that for you if you want. And our retainers now revolve around being digital partners rather than we will just do PPC. Um, usually starts off like that, but then we say, look, there's a digital partnership retainer here. It's a fair bit more. However, we look after you through everything. And if you have another agency, we'll even work with them. So they, they like the fact that they kind of get our stamp of approval for every campaign that goes live. Um, and yeah, like a lot of them say, yeah, we went to the website and you know the other guy's website was better, but we spoke to you both and you kind of care a lot. And, and it shows through, you know, like the truth will always prevail. And like, you know, whether that's like sending an email at like 7 p.m. when, you know, you're really meant to be at home or, um, you know, going through their Google Analytics for like the last two years and finding the exact point where the traffic started slipping. Like that care is evident and clients would much prefer you push that care onto them than make yourself look like super glamorous mm -hmm. and amazing. That's a very interesting perspective. You know, even in the, um, when we're talking about, like, like what kind of funnels work, uh, in like the coaching space and like, um, you know, kind of when you're marketing direct to consumer, uh, and you see like all these trainings and these webinars out there, um, cause we have like a very fancy opt-in page, very fancy funnel, but I know for a fact that it's actually hurting our conversion rate and that the ones that work best are actually the ones where I'm sure you've seen those ads on YouTube where like you'll click and it's like a free training and then it's like just one page with like yeah. very bad, like red text and caps <laughs> and like a green button. And like, and I'm telling you those outperform our, our webinars and funnels probably like 10 to one. Um, and it's this really weird thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if just uglier design works better. I have no idea. Maybe it's functional. Um, but I've truly come to learn, um, through, through long trials and, and through evaluating all kinds of different funnels that really the ugly ones are actually the ones that work the best. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting to see. So a lot of times, like we put all this focus on like making sure we have the best branding, the best design, the best website. When, as you're mentioning, it's kind of like, if you have an ugly website, but you have an amazing service, you're probably going to be more successful than someone who has a beautiful website, but like a really crappy service. Right. So, Absolutely. um, how can you focus on that a little bit more? And one, one of the questions that I have for you as well, before we dive into kind of the, the uh, from the perspective of, you know, what you could provide as a service and, and, and talking about that a little bit, but just to kind of cap this conversation off about your journey as an entrepreneur and growing to where you are, at what point did you start to realize that you couldn't do this on your own anymore and needed to start to hire a team? And what was that process like for you? What were maybe some lessons that you learned along the way? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so I realized fairly early on that I just couldn't do this alone because I was just constantly working in the business and not sort of on the business. And I realized that like, although revenue was there, um, we hadn't actually like grown as an entity properly. And then I'm like looking at all these sort of case studies and the, the much, much, much bigger companies. And I'm like, they've always hired from like day one. And so I was, it was very much consultant for a little bit and then started hiring. And I realized that um, locally in Peterborough, like, you know, there is talent, but the talent that I wanted, like if, if I wanted to get someone who could do paid social, I wanted like the best and, and I was happy to pay for it as well. Um, they didn't live in Peterborough. They just don't like, they live in London. They get go to Manchester up North, which is another 
digital hub excellence and they're in Wales and they're, they're dotted around, but the ones that I hear are like either already hired or they're just doing their own thing. So then I just kind of like pulled the net even further and said, okay, fine. Um, the whole world, like we're going to be completely remote and completely flexible. And that's when the business exploded um, because I started kind of, it's, it's difficult because, you know, everyone knows about sort of Fiverr and Upwork and stuff. And like, you can get stung on there really easily because there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing on those platforms and they're just charging yeah. and, they're, and they're cheap. Um, however, the brand that I was intent on cultivating really helped because the idea of being regent, like for the client, you have to be good at what you do internally. If you're regent, like you, you better be in like the top 2% of your entire, of your industry and you better be like on fire and you've got to be obsessed and like, obviously like you know work and home matters and the balance is really important to me and i think that family always comes first um but at the same time like you have to be that weirdo who like might see a white paper on friday night and rather than go to the cinema with your friends like you're reading the white paper and and mm -hmm. just so you can be one step ahead of everyone else and we started hiring developers like that and designers like that and marketers like that and they like being around each other because they're like oh there's a breath of fresh air that you know i don't have to about bureaucracy um again it was flexible so i was like as long as you get the job done just go like as in like just make sure that you reply, reply to all the emails make sure no project deadlines coming up make sure that clients are being looked after but if you finish at three and you're on till five i don't care what you're doing those two hours because to me it makes no difference because you've done your job um yeah. that trust is earned and that's why we interview very very carefully and we say no to over 90 percent of applicants because they won't i don't think that they'll be a good fit for the company but um once we started doing that and we kind of cast the net a bit further we, we ended up getting uh some, some pretty interesting people come through some of them just like i'm gobsmacked at how clever they are and i ended up being and i was glad about this like the dumbest person in the room like in a skype call i'd be like oh guys why didn't we use an iframe or something and they'd just be like oh my god like can someone teach this guy like you know <laughs> <laughs> and they're so good uh and and you know the like serbia ukraine pakistan um yeah. spain you know all, all these different places um and there's 32 of us now um, and it kind of like goes up and down like sort of every few weeks because we have people on board the project. Some people say, I just want to do this project and then go. I'm like, fine. A lot of them have this really enviable lifestyle where they do a project with region. They get paid way above market rate because we're, we're expensive. And then they just chill for like two months, mm -hmm. on a, literally on a beach somewhere in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't do that, but yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? Because actually it's... Kind of this, I, I kind of feel that as well as a business owner, entrepreneur. I mean, my team is fully remote as well, so I completely relate to everything you're saying. Um, and alhamdulillah, like every single member within our team, like I got um, my 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 sales uh, my sales guys in the U.S. I got my social media manager is in India. I have um, uh, what's it called? My my chief content officer is in Egypt. So I have like kind of dispersed throughout the world, depending on the position, a little bit everywhere. Alhamdulillah, and it's really amazing because. Number one, as you mentioned, you kind of tap into global talent. So that's that's a lot more advantageous for you as an entrepreneur than being limited to your local community. Because as you mentioned, there's just so much talent out there. But as well, what that has allowed me to do is really challenge myself on how I could still build an environment while being remote that people want to work in and a team that people want to work with and a culture that allows people to bring their best work and rewards them for that, right? Uh, and I think that's something that 
you know, we don't really talk about a lot as entrepreneurs, but culture is so important and how you manage your team is so important as well, because there comes a point in your journey where you transition away from that solopreneur to being a leader. And this is a transition that I've been going through over the last two years. And, and only now do I feel like I'm starting to get the hang of it. Like I'm starting to see, okay, like I can feel that I understand what it's like to be an operator a little bit more because I actually was a marketer as well. I used to have a marketing agency, which I sold. And I was always approaching things from a marketing perspective. I was always about how can we drive more revenue? I was the rainmaker in the business, right? Uh, and even with Entrepreneur, like for the, the, the majority of the first two years, I was the rainmaker, rainmaker focusing on how we can kind of launch our programs, um, launch our podcasts, you know, serve our clients and, uh, and continue to grow our revenue to get to where we need to be. And now it's this interesting interesting transition where it's not me driving revenue anymore. It's like, how can I help my team? Not only, you know, of course, we talk about driving revenue because that's what sustains the business, but also in the background of that, continue to build those initiatives where right now it's not really having an impact. Maybe hopefully five, 10 years from now it will, inshallah. And it's been a very interesting transition and very difficult one and very challenging, but very rewarding as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was curious about how that felt for you, man. Yeah, no, you know what? Well done on making that transition. Seriously, like that's amazing because it's definitely not easy. Um, yeah. As we both know, it's, it's kind of painful. Um, yeah. I, I think like the culture side is a really good point you've made because it's hard remotely to kind of have any, you, you know, you can have it slack and everything and like hard to kind of push culture through it. What I realized was um, everyone's idea of um, a comfortable culture is very different. And I realized that when we started offering like spotify and netflix because they're all sort of remote perks to all our employees and it turns out that some of them were like oh can i just like swap that for a gym pass oh can i just swap that for amazon prime or something and i was like oh yeah sure like it's the same thing really and then i was like oh wait like what i like isn't what everything what everyone else would like which is like a really mm-hmm. obvious thing but it took a while for me to get it so then i started talking to them and i do this anonymous feedback survey which was a little bit nerve-wracking and i was like right guys totally anonymous i'm not tracking ips or anything tell me what you think of me and how we can work better together turns out that they're very happy but they don't that they're like you, you don't have to try so hard but they were like you know we're, we're happy like you let us do what we want to do some of them think that you know a good culture is working in a, in a cafe all day and i'm aware of it and i'm fine with it because they get their work done and i'm like as long as you sort of have your client call somewhere confidential it's no problem at all others are like you know i want to be in an office so we, we sorted out an office um so it's kind of a much more sort of bespoke style but we just have like guiding principles of like we're going to be honest with our clients excellence in our work we're going to be curious and creative so it's essentially the same as as you've sort of hired a, a remote team and you must have gone through a lot of different people to get to the people you you now have yeah. um because one, one bad apple and that's it like yeah 100 you know it destroys everything and and then you're yeah. focused on this person and it's just negativity and they're not happy and you're not happy and like which is why we just rarely hire uh, unless we absolutely have to um but yeah, it, it turns out that developers are not very like, they're like, look, as long as I'm on dark mode on my PC and you've given me some sort of incentive to finish the work and they love their bonuses and stuff and that's fine. Whereas project managers are a lot more like, okay, I want to apply to meet the client. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. As long as there's a reason for it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like tailored towards every individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, in regards to what you're mentioning as well, uh, which I found really interesting is when I think about my team and, and kind of the way that we, we structured everything, one thing that I've noticed I've been doing more 
because now we're kind of in that transitionary phase where we're scaling alhamdulillah and bringing on more people to fill different roles within within the company and what i've noticed i've had to do is really embody this principle and i don't know where i got this from uh, but it essentially says hire slow and fire fast yeah. and that really is so important in business because you know it's really what you mentioned one bad apple can actually like ruin your team culture especially when you're a very small group when you're extremely small and it's just you know we're like uh, i think six now and and maybe slowly transitioning now to eight and so you know if your team is six and you have a seventh person and that person is not pulling their weight that's going to affect the entire team right especially when you're a smaller team and so kind of putting that into perspective and recognizing that okay look um I just put all this effort into training this person. We're on week number two or week number three. And um, they're still, I'm already feeling like they're not exactly like a good fit or a culture fit and, and, and it's not really working out. I have to make the exe executive decision to let that person go and let them know, like, look, I'll still leave you a great review. It's been great. Um, yeah. But I'm going to have to go back and train someone else. And I just literally just spent the last two, three weeks training this person. And now I'm letting them go. They didn't even work yet. Right. Yeah. Um, but those are decisions that you have to make as an, as an entrepreneur. It's kind of like, do I keep moving forward? And do I focus on that? Um, there's a term for it, bro. Uh, sunken cost fallacy. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's, right. So do I focus on the sunken cost and just stay there because that's, that's I've put in this, this time? Or, or do I really focus on what's best for the company and what's best for the team? And ultimately, you have to focus on what's best for the company and what's best for the team if you want to grow. That's the only way. No, you're right. It's um, that the sunken cost fallacy is completely true. And it's like, kind of like this it's the reason people watched walking dead until the last season because they'd sunk so much time into it they were like i just have to see mm -hmm. this thing through now and like right. and then even though like, it just went off a cliff um but i i think you're right you, you have to make the decision quickly and sometimes like i you kind of like are defined by your scars right in business and your sort of bruises and i remember making the mistake of not doing that and the repercussions just remind like they remind me every day like I'll never do that again. So nowadays, yeah. if someone's not a good fit, it's amiable. There's no like, I hate like the culture of like, oh, you're fired and this and that. I'm like, look, it's, it's not like yeah. that. Like, I was like, look, it's not a good fit. Are you happy? They're usually not. I'm like, look, it's just not working. Um, obviously, pay what you you're due. Absolutely, we'll get you paid. Um, and then yeah, we're just gonna let you go. And obviously, we're not gonna, you know, um, backbite about your income gossip. And and you do get sometimes employees being like, oh, so and so. I'm like, no, no, we don't do that here. Uh, you, and what you're doing is spare time is up to you but like at work like if someone's left for whatever reason um we don't mention it yeah we just we just wish them the best and luckily yeah. my, my team are, are good at that they're, they're fairly mature about it but um yeah we, we we had a guy who it was a react developer and it was a big project it was for direct line it's a big insurance company here and it was just like they, they needed something for a mental health fair so they were, they were doing something virtual and they needed us to make the actual platform we made it um and they changed their mind at the last second about the, the the framework they want to use. So we hired a guy who did React, and I had the strongest feeling this guy isn't reliable. Because I was like, "Can you? It's, can you do?" Like, it's funny how you get those feelings, man. I swear, bro. It's, it's just like in your heart, and and you know. Oh it. my god! It happened to uh, me recently, bro. Keep going. Keep going. I'm sorry. And I'm like, "Can you do like X, Y, and Z? And can you do that?" And he just went, "Yep, yep, yep, yep." And I was like, "Oh, he's just saying yep." And I was like, "Are you are you willing to? You might have to do a few hours overtime." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And I was like, okay, then. And I was like, you know, logically, I don't want to be uh, prejudiced. So I should just hire him. And I hired the guy. Uh, we are 6 p.m. and the deadline's at 7 p.m. Clients are really stressed. And we've got like 20 people on the call waiting for an update. This kid disappears. He's gone. 
and, and it's 9 p.m. now and 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. And, and I'm like, oh, has he been hit by a car or something? I'm like messaging him on every known platform. I'm like messaging his mum by finding him on Facebook. I'm like, is he okay? And uh, he comes back at about 3 a.m. I'm up all night and he's, he's back at 3, 4 a.m. And he's like, yeah, you know, I uh, had a date. And I'm like, oh, right, you had a date. I was like, okay, and and then his words were a bit slurred, and I'm like, okay, he's he's high or drunk, right, or both. Right. And I was like, I was like, this kid can't code. So I was like, okay, fine. I was like, glad you're safe. I'm revoking your access. Don't worry about it. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. And he's like, frantically doing all this work. And I'm like, okay, look, you've done a little bit. Another developer, the senior developer who was up all night with me, uh, stepped in like a hero and fixed everything at the very like by the skin of our teeth. And then we we wake up the next morning and oh, I have like one hour sleep and uh, we, we pitch and, and we say, look, guys, we missed your deadline, but look what we've done for you. We've done some added features for you for free and they're over the moon. And then this guy comes to me and he goes, right, so what's the next step, boss? And I'm like, firstly, I, I hate it when people call me boss. It's just really cringe. <laughs> yeah. I like, just, just say, I'm just like, I've got, you've got a name for a reason, right? Uh, and secondly, like, no, like <laughs> they're going to part ways. You're going to get you paid. We're going to pretend like this never happened. Um, but I gave him some feedback. And I said, look, yeah. if you behave like this in your future career, you will get blackballed. Meaning, yeah. you know, if, for, if you end up working at Google or some big company and you do that, like as if you'll ever work anywhere in the vicinity again, because yeah. people talk. Um, so, yeah. But what, what was your story? Did you hire someone and do it? Do it <laughs> they, Pretty much, you? bro. Like it wasn't, uh, I swear. So I, I swear there was this candidate. And, and and I had I had a job posting and, and they had applied like months ago to the job posting and I just like knew from their application from like their wording that like they weren't a fit, but they were very insistent. And that also throws me off a bit. I don't like when someone like really insists and like says please and stuff like that. It's like, look, it's just a job opportunity, you know? Like I'm not I'm not doing you a favor. If it's a good fit, it's cool. If it's not, it's fine, you know? Um so it's kinda of like the same thing as you. Like I don't like when they kind of try to pander to you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um so so I so I didn't hire I didn't hire that person and then you know fast forward a few months I have another opening and that person applies again and says look like this, I couldn't get in last time like I really want to get in I really want to be part of this um, and I said okay I already told this person no last time like I, I should give them a chance give them a chance anyways two weeks in um, we have we have a we, we have like a, essentially like a, a content that needs to go out through a certain schedule. And they've, they've gone through all the training. They've, they've done everything they need to do and they have everything they need to, to make it happen. Ultimately, I messaged them. I realized it hasn't gone out. I'm like, what's going on? The content didn't go out. Uh, and then they're like, oh yeah, but you sent me you sent me the accesses last night. And I'm like, yeah, because it's supposed to be done today. It's like, it's you have enough time. It's just like one piece of content, right? Because um, they were hired like for social media, uh, essentially. Um, and they're like, yeah, but the thing is you, you sent it to me last night. I messaged you for it on Saturday. It was the weekend. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Like it's, it, you create it today. It's just one piece of content. And I'm like, what's the real reason? And they're like, oh, I had an emergency. I'm traveling today. And it's like, okay, so that's the real reason. Like, why are you trying to like blame nah, me? Nah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, we're done. Like the minute that happened, I was, cause, cause one big thing about my team that I love is like, they take accountability. You know what I mean? And if you take accountability, like I'm hundred percent on your side, like I got you, like we're going to be best friends for life. Like I, I have part of my team. All of my guys, like they, we don't always meet every deadline. We don't always put out everything according to schedule, but we kind of all have that sense of accountability of like, Hey, you know, today I'm not gonna be able to, to get this out on time. I have this thing going cool. No problem. You know, Hey Abby, can you help me with this thing and kind of take over for today? I, I have this urgent family situation. I got you. No problem at all. Super happy to help. It's just that like, 
oh, it didn't go out. I had to ask about it. And then it's like trying to put the blame on other people yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. or on me exactly instead I, of taking responsibility. That's like a no, no yeah. for me. So it was just, uh, yeah, I think accountability yeah. is so important. Like they underestimate that people underestimate that it's not about doing the work perfectly. It's about taking accountability for it. That's all. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of the time we have some of our best performers. They're like, Oh, sorry. I just can't work today. I'm, I'm having a really bad day and I just bad mm. mental health day. Or one of them suffers with a sort of altitude, sickness so literally like the, the, even if like the weather changes and stuff like she gets these crazy headaches and she's been diagnosed for it like by a doctor and she's like i've got this crazy migraine i'm like look they're so good every other day and they're so honest and they're so accountable then you say fine just take the day yeah. rest come back tomorrow when you're 100 because that's how i would want to be treated if, if i was working with someone where and, and, and you get people that take the mick with that they, they kind of say i had a guy ages ago who said oh um sorry, I can't come into work. My, my dad got hit by a car. And I was like, that's terrible. Go to the hospital. Don't worry about it. Uh, we gave the work to someone else and they finished it. Fast forward like three, four months. And he's like, can't come into work. Um, my dad got hit by a car. And I'm like, again? And then he and then he pauses and he panics. And he's like, no, my granddad. I was like, oh, I was like, you must live on the highway or something. <laughs> you must live on a very busy intersection. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not joking. This is like literally six months later. He was like, oh, yeah, um, this is late. I won't be able to do it. Um, my dad got hit by a car. I was like, look, your dad did not get <laughs> hit by a car. There's no way. <laughs> I was like, this is, at first I was like, I felt really bad for him. I was like, you know what? That's serious. Cause I would... And then I was like, you know what? There's two things that firstly, that's poor excuse. Secondly, though, that's really sinister because I was like, you used that as an excuse. Yeah, that you is pretty like father pretty messed me. up. I was like, that's screwed up, man. I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm kind of scared of you, man. Like, just get out. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So those things do happen, Hannah. Like they do happen. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, people listening and if they recognize some of that behavior, they'll be like, okay, cool. Let me look for that and, and make sure that I avoid it. <laughs> um, but one thing that I do want to wrap up with Hamza, because you've been so generous with your time is if someone's listening to this and they could potentially benefit from your services. So can you give us a little quick overview of like, who, what are the type of clients that you generally work with? Um, just so that if someone's listening in, that could potentially be a fit, then they know to reach out. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. agent branding is largely digital marketing consultancy, although we do specialize in websites and mobile apps as well. That's native iOS and native Android as well. Uh, we do paid social, PPC, so Google Ads, SEO to get you to the top of your Google rankings for your specific keywords, a little bit of email marketing as well, and we make games too. Uh, these nice. games are either apps or on, they're on the browser as well. Um, and we, one of our most popular um, offerings at the moment is digital training and kind of consultancy. So we come in, we do a 360 audit, and we kind of tell you exactly what you need to improve. Because usually when we come in, like the last, the first thing they do, sorry, the, the office is on like these auto lives or something. Just give me a second, no. I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it sorted. One sec. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Take your time, man. This is uh this is uh the Umarpreneur podcast. We're streaming. We're we're live. We're live, guys. We're making this happen in real time. So you know, there's going to be some technical <laughs> issues, but we're going to keep rolling. Let's do it. Um, and yeah, largely like we come in and everyone's really excited about getting started with social, and we say, look, your data is just terrible. We need to do data analysis. We need to basically purge your database to make sure there's no spam in there. Turns out everyone needs a 360 audit before they begin with us. And it was such a popular thing that we just spun it out and that, that does quite well by well uh, nice. by itself now. Um, and yeah, that's largely kind of like what we offer as a business. It's large, it's, it's digital. We, we don't go into, well, I know we're called region branding, but like we stay away from the actual um, artistic design part of things. 
Uh, we, we kind of have partners for that. We don't we don't pretend to be specialists, but what we are specialists in is making paid social, SEO, PPC, all that stuff work for you. Amazing, mashallah. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time today and for joining me. And um, regentbranding.co.uk, that's where you guys need to go. So regentbranding, R-E-G-E-N-T, branding.co.uk. We're going to drop the link in the episode notes. If you're watching on YouTube, check it out in the description. You'll have it there, inshallah. And Hamza, thank you so much for your time and for being so generous with your time today. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure that our listeners did as well. Really appreciate it. You're most welcome, Abby. I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you very much. And if you're still listening, make sure to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. We do this free for you every single week. We share some value, bring some awesome guests, and we just want your support to help us keep this going. So make sure to rate, review the podcast, subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you in the next one. Take care, guys. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.